Hey there, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as I sit down and chat with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests and talk about all the things that empower you to become your best and most confident self. So let's get started. And we're back. We're back for part two. We've had such an incredible conversation that I feel like we could have just keep talking and talking and talking and respectful for those listeners. We're like, we're not going to chat your ear off forever. We're just going to do that on our time. We'll split it up into some bite-sized pieces that you guys can all join in and listen into our conversation that has just really been incredible. And for those who listen to part one, Heidi and I just took a few moments to kind of reconvene after that. And we're like, oh my gosh, I haven't been this lit in so long that sometimes, like I said in our last episodes, it's about surrendering and letting go and just letting life happen for you. And here we are. I mean, we just originally, I mean, those who are listening to the Confident Woman podcast realize there's a little bit of some structure, there's a little bit of format, but it's really about just organically going with the flow. And the first episode that we just recorded, we hit record and was just innately brought together in such a flow that 20 minutes into it, we're like, we're just going with it. This is apparently a podcast episode. It was It's funny because I almost asked you like, are we going to, or should we? And then it was like, nobody said anything, but we both knew we're here. Here we're we are. Here. We're going, we're doing this. And I was just going to tell you, you know, I used to have a series on my podcast. So I used to have a series on Cup of Joy, the podcast called Unfiltered Joy. And the whole reason for doing it is so similar to what just happened, but it never was this. It never was this organically, just like literally just show up with nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing planned, nothing talked about. And this happened so beautifully. Like I was going to tell you too, I haven't had the chance to listen to any of your episodes. Total transparency. I will be listening. I will be listening because I love podcasts and I love you. But we just met last week. So I haven't even had the opportunity to tune into any of your podcasts. So I didn't know like what the structure was like and all the things. So I was really forced to step into this. Just let it go. Show up. Be who you are. And one of the things that you jotted down that you maybe wanted to talk about with me was finding joy and letting go. And without knowing, we just got to this point. We just got here, finding joy and letting go. And there was so much joy in the last hour and seven minutes. (laughs) 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 Truly just showing up. How do people just show up the way that we just did? Because like, how do you do that? That's a great question. And I think it's funny because when you have that thought at the forefront of your mind, it becomes the focus point and you don't allow life to show up for you because you're so focused on making it happen, right? So it was about, I think today's just been a really weird day for me, weird in such a good, good way. And just the, the reason I share this because I've been in some like really, really dark times over these past several months, but was taking an account kind of like this inventory of like, how the hell I got here? What happened? And why is this happening? And it wasn't about to me, but for me, like I'm always intentionally seeking out that lesson. And this was something I didn't always do. I was such a victim to life. It was, it was, that was truth be told, like people who meet me now, like, I can't even see that. I'm like, oh, just know me like seven, eight years ago that I was a victim. And if you don't know about that, read my book, Chasing Perfection. And I think Mm. that doesn't say enough. Please read it, connect with me. I love to hear those from the readers that have read it and really the biggest takeaways, because I think there's so much value and lessons in that 
book that have been pertainable to others, other readers. And it's fascinating when you hear this, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you share that. That's me too. And I'm like, there's a reason why I had to go through what I had to go through. It's because it's the giving back. And so if you missed out on some of that, I encourage you to go back and listen to part one where we really talked about giving back in the forms of what we can collect from those life lessons after, you know, having experienced it, we go back and take account and inventory again of that situation or the season or whatever that is that's happening in life and finding the silver lining, finding the good that comes out of it. And a lot of times it's about picking up those pieces. And of course, we use an analogy that is so easy to digest. It really is. And so I encourage you to go back to listen to part one of this episode. But really, it was about finding that those lessons in our lives, the parallels that connect us and bring us to where we're at. And so today, I actually woke up And oddly enough, I woke up before my alarm clock with energy. I was pretty lit from the beginning and I'm very high energy. But these past several months, I have just been dragging ass. Like I have been slow. I've been brain fogged. I've been cloudy. My judgment has been off. Like there's so much stuff that I feel like I've been living in this alternate universe. And so I went to the gym today. And I was met with my friend, he he owns the gym. And so we were just kind of shooting the shit before we get started. And again, I kind of had no agenda when I walked in, like I always have my plan. I always have my workouts planned for that day. But I walked in and just said, you know what, I'm going to go off script. And I just said to him after a few minutes, I was like, I'm going to deadlift. Deadlifting for me is something that really brings out my inner strength, my confidence, my determination, my willpower, that motivation that says every it's me against the bar, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no other thing in there. And so I picked up the bar and it was so smooth, so smooth. And I was like, wow, this, we're, I didn't even remember the last time this happened. We loaded more weight on there. I was like, wow, butter, more weight on there. Damn. And next thing I knew, I went for a PR that I did not even set out to even touch. I haven't touched this amount of weight in almost three years. And Mm. it was just this freedom, this exhilaration. And I I recorded it and I was just looking back and I was like, holy crap. Like I haven't been this lit, this off script, this full of life and freedom in such a long time. And in those moments, is where inspiration, creativity, connection, just being open to receiving. And here we are just a few hours later, I had on my calendar, Heidi was coming on to be a guest on the podcast. And I was just at first thinking, man, how do I keep this energy high? Because I don't want to fade. And we just hit record because when I start the podcast, it's just always on record and we just happen to see where the conversation is going. And so what Heidi was saying was like, we, we were just talking. And the next thing I knew, 20 minutes into it, I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, does she think that we're going to start the podcast or am I starting this over? Anyway, I just made a decision. Just like I made a decision when I got to that bar, I said, I'm lifting this. I'm determined. And so I made that decision on episode one, part one, just said, we're doing something different. We're showing up the same way I showed up today's training. I have a plan, but we're going off script. I'm going to be open. We're going to see what happens. And I tell you not, like this has been one of the most exhilarating conversations that I've had in quite some time, and especially coming off that high from my weightlifting that instilled that inner strength and brought out that fire, that warrior that's inside of me. And I was just like, 
I'm going to keep this going. And so this is a promise that I made for myself today was keep that energy high, surround yourself with people that are high. And if you can't be surrounded by people that are that high, keep your flame going because it's igniting other people and your, your confidence, your energy, all of that is contagious and it's infectious. And so if, if you can't be lit by other people, be the light for them. And so that was something I chose today, which is unbelievable in my progress, because if you asked me this yesterday, I still would have said, I'm not ready yet. And I'm in this phase of not being ready for some time because it wasn't that I wasn't ready. It was about me doing the inner work so I could come back and be ready. And that was something that Heidi mentioned on part one about confidence to come back. And I was like, damn, that's good. That's what we're going with today. And so Heidi, again, I just want to thank you for allowing me this space on your podcast, on my podcast, and those who are listening, we're cross-promoting it on each other's podcast. So be sure to tune in to either or and just follow along with it because if you're loving this conversation, you have to go check out Heidi. Obviously, go follow along with her. Heidi specializes in working with women who are coming out of divorce or is through a divorce, but you don't have to be in some sort of divorce or relationship kind of moment here to really benefit from finding this infectious joy that is contagious. And let's spread that joy and love and compassion and empathy for ourselves, but for each other. And we have to be that light, right? So Mm -hmm. this was just off the cuff. And I feel like I finally have a place here that I can express a lot of what I'm personally going through. And so thank you for holding that space for me here. Yeah, same back at you. I feel like everything that you just shared is like, figuring out what you do need to let go. Sometimes we don't even know we need to let it go because we're gripping so hard. We're just holding on so hard and maybe, maybe holding the bar in the past physically, like at the gym, was like gripping so hard, thinking so much about wanting to hit that mark. Okay, when I came in yesterday, I bench pressed this much. And so I got to just do a little bit more today and like really gripping on and holding on. Instead of going, I love what you said about going off script. Mm -hmm. Like that to me really is surrender. And surrender to me is when I can just trust myself enough to know that just showing up is enough and that whatever I choose, because you talked about really like make a choice and see what happens. Knowing that going off script, whatever I choose, I can trust myself to handle it. I can trust myself if it flops. I can trust myself if I drop that bar. I can trust myself if it's amazing, because when it's amazing, what happens is we build that evidence. We, it's, I put, I call it the trust bank. When things happen that we like, we're like, trust bank, trust bank, deposit, deposit, deposit. I've got evidence, right? <laughs> but when something, when we make a choice and it isn't what we really had hoped for, mm-hmm. if this had been a really crappy podcast, then maybe it would have gotten off and been like, oh man, I guess I really do need to script everything. I guess I really do need to research who I'm talking to, all those things, rather than knowing that whether it was a podcast that you really enjoyed or didn't really enjoy, it's okay. You can move forward past that. You can take lessons from things that you love and things that you don't love so much. Yeah. Right. I think, yes, I mean, spot on. And I think that, you know, it's all about just giving it a try and just seeing where it goes. And I try to have boundaries and some sort of control aspect of it. And those who are joining, listening on part one, because we talked a lot about control and how that can determine the outcome and direction of where we're headed in life. But I think, you know, when we're looking at it from just letting go, it's about just trusting that your higher self knows what 
needs to be done. By having these rules and boxes and parameters and boundaries and norms and all the things that are that are kind of, you know, they're they're there for a reason is to help, you know, kind of like bumpers, right? To make sure that we don't veer too far off off course. And sometimes those bumpers get moved as we're pushing against them, right? And that kind of brings us back to episode one as well, is that these small little changes, these millimeter shifts that we're doing in life or over time, when we pick our head up, we realize how far off we veered course. And we just think, oh, it's, it's one bite. It's one day. It's one missed workout. It's one bad relationship. It's one bad conversation, right? All these one one-offs add up to greater things that have moved us away from what our goals are. And so that was just knew that something had to change. And like you were saying, it's about taking pages out of my own book. And sometimes you already know what you need. Like you have everything you need within. If you don't tap into that inner being and get to spend quality time with that individual, that thing that's running your mind and your body and everything, I call it a soul. If you don't do a soul self-check-in, then you're going to miss what we're here for and what we're called to do. And sometimes our own mind will take driver's seat and say, move over, we're going this route. And sometimes we're full sitting in the back seat, like, yeah, well, call me when you need me because I'm going to be sitting here because I know you will. And mm. it's sometimes th- those moments are where we just have to tap our soul back in and be like, listen, I messed up. I got to get back on track. And that's where it's like, great. That's where the surrender comes in. And that's where you get to co-create with your creator, universe, whatever you want to call that. And that's where so much power comes back into your trust and ability to surrender. And in surrendering is actually where life is happening for you. So sometimes it's really nice if you're anything like me and just you're an ambitious individual who just drives, 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 drives. It gets exhausting. Sometimes you just want to be a passenger and take in the scenery take in the view, take in the relaxing of just being a passenger. Mm, and uh, I find yeah. myself in the season where I'm letting some people do some drive. And I don't say people, but doing people or, or situations or whatever, I'm giving up a lot of that control and just going along for the ride. And it doesn't mean that I can't hop in the driver's seat anytime that I feel like, yeah, no, we're going down a, a path that I'm not too comfortable with. You can either jump out or jump over and take control of that. And sometimes just about steering the car back on the road. I love that. You know, I've really talked and thought a lot about being in the driver's seat. And there's such an empowering thing that happens when you are in the driver's seat and you're shifting the gears and you're moving forward. And that can be such a magnificent spot to be. But I've never thought about the perspective of letting go in a way that you can sit in the passenger seat and still have a powerful, meaningful, transformative experience for yourself. I love riding in the passenger seat. The passenger seat allows me to feel so free and see things that I could never see as a driver, right? Totally different perspective. And what if we just give ourselves permission to let go of the grip that we have on the steering wheel and sit in the passenger seat for a little while and see what happens? I feel like that's so powerful. It gives us a whole different worldly view. It really does. We're forced to slow down. We're forced to just relax and enjoy the ride. You know, it's kind of like for me, one of my most favorite places of of all the things, I love being on a plane. And it's the only time I shut out, shut down, turn off everything. Yeah. On a plane, I just, it's all inner. It's all inner. It's just something that's so soothing and so calming because I have to give 100% of my full trust into a pilot who is navigating himself to those coordinations of the destination 
that we're landing in. And so if he shifts off gear, one millimeter, two millimeters, three millimeters, all slight little changes, right? Well, all those changes over time, we might end up in, I might be headed out to California and I end up in Mexico or in Canada. All those little things, right? We could just veer off course. And before we pick our heads up, we realize how far off track we've gone. Then now we have to go back and correct course and take a longer path to do undo the damage. Whereas if we just recognize that and sit with us and kind of do a self-check and we're like, hey, wait, this terrain looks a little bit different. Are we still headed out west? Like, why are we looking at like deserts and beaches and stuff where we're in the middle of the US? Like, why am I looking at oceans if we're in the wrong path, right? So it's about just taking in your surroundings and recognizing some of those areas where you can be like, wow, I got to see things from a different vantage point. But also to your point too, Heidi, is that allowing yourself in that passenger seat, you've given up control, but yet you're not too far to step in when it's needed as well. And so that's a little bit of element that still brings that control. It's like, I'm far enough, but I'm not too far. And I would even say that, because we talked a little bit about letting go of the meaning around control. And that was a perspective shift for me too, of like, all right, you're going to let go of something. Because a lot of times I don't like to use the word control. I like to shift into the word trust Mm because I feel like control is a lack of trust. But what you gave me in our chat previous was, that, well, what if you change your definition of control? Can you let go, part of the surrender, can we let go of the meaning that we make around words that don't serve us right. or words that don't support us? All words, can we can find a way for all words to support us or most if we change the meaning around them and the meaning is where we get tripped up, right? So we really need to let go of the meaning around certain things. And the thing that you just said about being the passenger. The one thing that I think is really important that came up for me is being the passenger doesn't mean that you're giving up control. It actually means that you're giving yourself permission. The passenger still has permission. The passenger, like you said, has permission to change the station, to unbuckle their seatbelt, to look wherever they want to look. They Honestly, you could even grab the wheel if you wanted to. You could grab that wheel and you could steer it in another direction. Don't recommend it, but maybe figuratively if you need to. The passenger still has all the permission. And permission is really what we get to give ourselves. It's the permission to change our mind, the permission to change our course, and the permission to just sit back. I think that being in the passenger seat and taking in the surroundings is what you said. Taking in the surroundings is one of my favorite part of sitting on the airplane with the window seat or sitting in the passenger seat of the car because it forces me to slow down, Mm. slow down and look around. And when we do that, it allows us to have a perspective that we've never had before. Yeah. And actually something that just came to mind and I didn't even think about it as you were chatting, I was just like, what else can a passenger do, right? Because sometimes we we have to talk ourselves into it. Be like, well, is that the role that I want? Because, you know, sometimes you have to trade off. Am I comfortable with trading off this driver position for his passenger position? But yet, what else can a passenger do that a driver can't? And what is a passenger supports a driver. A driver doesn't support the passenger. The driver, the passenger is the driver's responsibility. Mm. Right? So the driver has that responsibility. And sometimes... When we put a lot of pressure and responsibility on ourselves, it could be taxing because who's actually there to support us? And so sometimes taking that step back, it's great to be in a supportive role and it's allowing us to be in a role that we can also feel supported because we know that if we're trusting our driver, our driver will take us to wherever we need to go safely and that's their responsibility 
But yet your role as a passenger, you get to kind of do both. You get to support that driver, but you also get to sit back and take in all of life so that you can kind of narrate. And it's not kind of like that analogy of the backseat driver, right? But yeah, the passenger seeing things that the driver cannot because they don't move their neck in all the ways. Driver, eyes on the road, right? Hands on the wheel. They're limited. And so what mm. if that limit is limiting the driver's capability, but without the passenger to support and be an additional eyes and hands in that sense of that controlling, they're seeing things that a driver couldn't. And so actually, this is a great position to be in because if we're going through life and that slowing down, sometimes we need to take that back seat, be that passenger, see what's happening so that when it's our turn to drive, we have that fresh perspective. We know what's happening. We've been Mm. on those roads before. And now we can say, oh, wait, that's where that stop sign is. Or don't forget that potholes in the road as it's coming up. But if you're a driver, you're just driving. You don't think to remember those things or call out because your laser focused on the direction, right? Eyes on the road, Mm. straightforward. So that was just something that came to mind. And it, and it allows me in the season that I'm in to sit comfortably in a passenger seat to mm-hmm. give my soul, my being, my existence, a little bit of rest. But yet I'm not in a sense going to sleep that I'm missing the ride. And I'm not. Wow. That's really, that's really, really powerful. All the things that you just said. And I did a lot of traveling as a kid. And when I was a kid, somebody always had to navigate. We had these huge atlases. Huge. Okay. We did not. I mean, we are talking pre-Google Maps, pre-Map Quest. I mean, and I'm probably outdating myself It was the Rand McNally double double pager, right? (laughs) This was like my mom's. It was huge. And my mom had a book. Anytime we went on a road trip somewhere, she had just massive atlas. That was like, if you had folded a poster board in half, that is actually the size of it, right? She would color the map of all the different routes we were going to take. And, but still she wanted somebody to guide because there was no turn right at the upcoming blah, 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 right? There was no like Australian or boy band voice on the other side. My, 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 the person on mine is an Australian because I went to Australia a couple of years ago and I like, was like, they sound so nice when they say things. So anyways, we have that going on. But you also made me think of, you not only have the choice of what seat you have in the car, right? Are you the driver, passenger, are you in the back seat, whatever, but you have the choice of what kind of passenger you're going to be that day. And there's no wrong type of passenger or spot in the car. There's just listening to your intuition, letting go, surrendering into that inner voice and going, where, what spot do I need today? And what role do I want to play in that spot? Because a passenger can absolutely take a nap. Sometimes you need the nap, like you said, to refresh, to get ready to drive. Sometimes you need to look around to just like be in awe of life and experience and explore and do the things. There have been times where my boyfriend and I are on a road trip and we'll we'll be driving through like an experience and then we'll get out and we'll, oh, it was when we went um, Christmas light watching last year. There was this whole experience you could drive through and it took 20 minutes to drive through. So I drove through and then, uh, or he drove through. And then I said, no, we're going again. He's like, I, it's fine. I drove slow. And I said, no, get out, switch spots with me. And he's so glad that he did because that experience was totally different as the passenger, right? So be in awe, but also how amazing is it if we can be the passenger who is the navigator? What if your driver sometimes is just the driver and all they have is the skill set on how to drive? Put the gas pedal on, 
put the brakes on, change the gears, click the windshield wipers if needed, but they actually don't know where they're going or how to get there. And you can actually be this safe guiding light of where life is going to lead us, right? Well, I love that analogy that you just brought up. And it's such, you know, a real life example, like you said with your boyfriend, I mean, he was cool. No, I'm good. I'm good. Right. But then when you just as small, just switch these with me, what a different experience, what a different vantage point, what a different takeaway and having the ability to do both. It brings things twofold. So you can look at things objectively and what's the other word subjectively. I don't remember, but whatever. I'm just, I think I'm running out of some words here, but it's something where you can view things from two different vantage points and still have a beautiful experience and a takeaway from it that now you're bringing into, you know, tucking it into your experience belt. So next time you're on that path or, you know, something familiar, you can pull takeaways from both perspectives. And I love that we brought this whole analogy together on this, this part too, yes. because it's so relatable because, you know, anyone who's possibly listening to this episode, even in a car, I mean, I hope this is kind of making a little bit of an imprint in your mind that you're physically driving and listening to this. And like, what if you were actually in the passenger seat and did a re-listen of this episode? What would then seep into your mind? Like what resonated with you differently in a passenger seat versus a driver's seat? And so these are some of these examples that you can kind of take with you into real life and see how life changes the minute we allow ourselves an opportunity to step into something new or unfamiliar. Ooh, I wanted to ask you something on that. I'm so glad you said that. I feel like we're very aligned because you're saying the things that my brain is thinking. I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think holds people back from allowing ourselves to, to shift gears, to sit in a different seat, to let go? Like from your own experience in life, like what has tripped you up in the past? from or held you, given you like you didn't want to let that grip go? That's a great question. It's actually something I'm internalizing at at this time. And it's what I keep coming up with. Exactly what I learned in Chasing Perfection. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Yeah, I think it's applicable in this season that I'm in. The thing that would hold me back is I'm going to say, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible, but I think it's loss. What am I going to lose as I give up? something because I have to ask what I'm willing to trade off or let go of that could be something painful. It could be something that I've had a deep emotional attachment to. It could be something, these things I always say, they're like my nouns, my people, places, and things, right? So we can be letting go of people. We could be letting go of places. We can be letting go of our situations and circumstances. Maybe we're finding ourselves in a season where you know, as we're kind of approaching holidays, Christmas may be a little bit tight. Maybe we're embarking into a new year that there's talk of recessions and all these things that are creating some more scarcity and uncertainty in our life, right? So we're all faced with these worldly views and the world worldly things that are happening, but yet how we internalize those and make them our own or we don't make them our own, it allows us that freedom to just let go and just accept what is. And when we say like the accepting, it doesn't mean that you're condoning. It doesn't mean what's happening in the world that you're agreeing with it. Yeah, acceptance does not equal complacency. That's something that I've had to teach myself. Like acceptance doesn't mean complacency. You're not stuck there. It's not forever, forever. Right. And it's also, it doesn't mean that you're agreeing, right? So that was something I had to come, like uh, redefining our words, right? So nothing gives meaning unless it's the meaning that you give to it. And so 
those are words, a lot of that. And so we question like, where did that meaning come from? Maybe I can reframe that word so it has a more positive meaning. So when I find myself in those situations, I'm a little bit more kinder to myself, right? We're extending a little bit of grace. But in this season, it's about recognizing like there's big pieces of me that I have to let go of. Mm. They're painful. And I think of some of the consequences that would come from it. I think of lives that would be changed due to these decisions. But then more importantly, when I look at all the things that are going to change, I can't forego myself and ask myself, but am I holding on just to make them happy or to make things comfortable for other people or because of what if? And if I'm internally struggling with something that is preventing me from holding back, I'm doing a major disservice to myself because I'm not trying to live a life for other people. I have one life here. I have a mission. I have a purpose. And if I'm tiptoeing around other people's happiness or ruffling feathers or afraid I'm going to make somebody mad or piss someone off or whatever that might look like, yeah, I mean, the reality is those things are going to happen. But you have to also trust in yourself, but also give people the benefit of the doubt that, yeah, maybe you might ruffle some feathers or whatever that case might be. But also hoping that you have a rapport with yourself, that one time offense or one time to piss someone off isn't who you are. And they recognize that because that's their own journey that they have to internalize too. So let's just say you ruffle those feathers. Well, you also have to question like, but maybe they're not your feathers to be ruffled. So you got to ask them why they're so ruffled. Yeah. That projection is if people put projections onto you based off of their own life experiences. So for me to assume that I'm ruffling feathers is a fear factor of me because I'm afraid that I would be rejected and I don't want to be rejected because who wants to be told you suck and nobody wants you. So you get the boot, right? That's not very comforting, but it's about saying, I got to let that go. And I'm sorry if it's going to, you know, cause a little bit of a wedge or ruffle your feathers. It's not my intention, but by me hanging on to it, I'm miserable, I'm unhappy, or I can't get to where I need to be. And you being my friend that's supporting me, well, I might have to ruffle that feather for you to give me that support to keep going forward, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. If we have that friend or somebody in our life, right? They're rooting you on, but you know, you might have to let them go temporarily or, and and I don't use that context of letting them go, like meaning it's severed, ties, relationships, ends, whatever that is. But there's a little bit of a tweak that's that might ruffle something. Maybe it's just letting go even how the relationship has always operated. I went through this with my best friend. We actually did a podcast on it and we're oh, very okay. transparent because we lost our friendship for almost a year mm. because we weren't willing to sit down and actually we made so many assumptions and we got in our own heads and we had these beliefs that weren't even true about ourselves or about each other. And we just needed to go through it. But really what was happening at the end of the day was our relationship had shifted. I wanted something different out of our relationship. I couldn't give as much as I was giving. And I made the assumption that she needed all that I was giving or or we couldn't be friends. And so instead, it just turned into all these projections and all these things. And I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. And I'm just going to ghost you and blah, blah, blah. Because I was too afraid of actually like saying, you know what? I I can't show up for you that way anymore. I want to show up in a different way. And when we finally had that conversation, just like everything came to be what it was meant to be. And our relationship as besties is so much stronger. I never thought we would be friends again. Honestly, I really never thought we would be friends again. And what is now is something that is so strong and so transparent and so honest and so truthful, but it needed to be 
dragged through the dirt for a while in order for us to get there. And you know what? When you said, what's holding me back from letting go? At times, it's like that trade, that like maybe that loss. And sometimes I have to remind myself that sometimes what do I need to get rid of to create the gain, right? And that's like a trade-off game you got to play with yourself. It is, it is. And more of what I hear you saying is like, man, I've got to let go of the beliefs that and the messages that I keep telling myself that maybe aren't even true. And what if they are? Mm -hmm. So the other thing I want to say about this, of all that you just shared a minute ago is like, what if it does come true? What if you do the thing or, and you have the loss and it hurts and it, it doesn't feel good and they are pissed off. Nobody wants that. That's why we don't let things go that no longer serve us. But what if letting go is what they need to? What if letting go and creating this, the feelings that whatever are their feelings to have about whatever happens is the lesson that they needed for themselves. And that's what you made me think of it. And I've never really thought of it in that way before, but I'm learning this lesson in a course that I'm taking right now. I'm taking a course to grow my business and reach more people and all the things. And things are really falling apart in their business. And I'm a student in this course and I'm seeing it firsthand. And I, at first was really angry. Man, like we've paid you a lot of money to learn all these things. And now like you're doing things really strangely in your business and it's not really serving me and I don't like it. And I was just going to pout about it and be mad about it and be angry at them and be pissed off at them, right? And that's good. I needed to feel what I needed to feel. Those feelings are valid. And what I'm learning is this letting go is there are so many lessons in this letting go. I'm realizing, wow, I really can trust myself. They don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And them pulling back and giving their students less is actually allowing me to choose more for myself. And so for anybody who's out there who is not letting go of what they need to let go of right now, here today, or whenever you feel like you're in the position to, they might actually need that too. Yeah. It's beautiful that you brought that up because I feel like I was eventually going to get there, but sometimes it's like little tangents I took off, but you're so right in that it's mentioned this many times. It's like how life is happening for you, right? So we can only see things objectively from our own perspective, our own experiences. And we walk something similar. We can temporarily put ourselves in the other person's shoes and see things from their perspective as well. But like you said, sometimes the lesson isn't just for you, but what is to be gained from that individual? So maybe your loss is their gain and not necessarily you're not doing it for you, but you're letting go for them because in your letting go, you find that freedom in letting go, they find the lesson. And so you never know who you're letting go for. And I, to answer your question, it, it kind of come full circle on that as well. It's like, that was something that I'm recognizing even in the season. It's like, I had to let go of a lot of pieces in my business. And it's funny when you were just mentioning, I was like, wait, you're not in any of my courses, are you? <laughs> <laughs> not in yours, no. <laughs> but I was just like, well, maybe, maybe we are. We'll talk offline about that. But it's funny because I was thinking, I'm like, wow, so many things in my business, I've had to fine to comb a lot of it. And now I'm at this point where I'm sifting and sorting, you know, through, I mean, I'm a creator through and through. And so from my books and my journals and my courses and programs, and sometimes I'm just like, is we, we pretty much like moved homes on our platforms. And so we had to take a lot of things off, basically like moving homes. And so we put all of our stuff in our metaphorical boxes and I'm unpacking them to put them on into our new home. 
And I'm asking myself now, do I want to continue this course and this new version that I'm doing? Do I want to bring this journal or this book into this new home? Yes. Maybe those pieces I do, but I think they would really up-level those offers if I had an extra video or an extra training or rebranded a little bit of the cover to make it more appealing. Like, so there's some tweaks and changes and it doesn't mean that you're letting go and discarding what did at one point serve you, but it's about maybe refining and making something better. And so that's the season and that's the opportunity that I'm looking forward to. And even though it took a while to get there, because I'm like, I wanted to hang on to so much of what was a part of my business, because there was, if we talk about ego here, there was some ego, there was some pride. I took a lot of pride in the work that I did because I was very proud of what I created. It served me so well. And I kept thinking, well, if it served me so well, it's definitely going to serve somebody else. But what if we made it a little bit different? What if instead of it serving somebody, it served more individuals on a higher level? So there was that context like, okay, let go to make better. Let go to gain. Let go to learn. And so there's so many things that are coming out of it. And so even in that situation, we're kind of rebuilding a lot of my business. There was a lot of, you know, people in and out of my life at this point that were helping me, that were assisting in certain projects that were part of my team for short terms. And and so there was a lot of people that were kind of in this home, helping us build this up. And some of them, you develop great, meaningful relationships. Some are there for the season. Some are there for the job. You never know. But it's about letting them go because that term and that contract was up. But yet you never know where your paths are going to meet later down the road. And so that's something about always being open and mindful to the what ifs. And Mm -hmm. so you can only just hold yourself accountable and and give yourself that, you know, that comfort that no matter what you do, you've gotten this far off of your own choices and decisions. Maybe it delayed some things, but yet your goal and your mission here on this earth isn't final. It's not complete until your creator tells you it's time to come home. Like, so you, every day you have work to do and it's not like who can get there faster because it's not like, you know, you get the work done. It's not like there's not another assignment waiting for you. It's about Mm -hmm. learning throughout that way. So that mission is accomplished to the best of your abilities. I love what you said about the ego loving to jump jump in. And again, this goes back to the hardship sometimes pushes up against those limiting beliefs. And I've said things to myself, said things to myself like, I've worked so hard for this. I've put pumped so much of myself and my energy and my time and my money and my resources. Like I've done so much for this. And hopefully this resonates with somebody like maybe you're saying to yourself, I worked so hard for this relationship. I've worked so hard for this career. I've worked so hard as a mother, how wherever, wherever this lands, like we tell ourselves these stories or I've worked so hard in this friendship circle. I've worked so hard at this or in this marriage. How could I take this hit? take this loss. It feels like a loss when we let things go. But the reality is we have to create space. We only have so much space in this container that we're living, that our soul is living in, in our bodies. We only have so much space. And if we don't make space every once in a while by letting some things that no longer are aligned or serving or moving us in the direction we want to go, then we can't get the gains. We can't create the new things. And the example that I'll use here for myself is going through my divorce. I can't even begin to explain how much of a trade-off and loss 
and I've worked for this and, and so many, the heartbreak and the grief that I knew, I knew was coming. I didn't know to the extent that I was going to feel that, but I knew that it wasn't going to be all rosy posy. I wasn't blind to that, but I really had taught, told myself, all right, like this is what needs to happen in order to move into this next chapter and create something different for myself. This needs to happen, right? But what I didn't know, what I didn't know, it, once I released it all, all of it, I mean, I gave up the friendships, I gave up the family, I gave up the circles, I gave up the parts of me that I wasn't sure I was ready to give up. And when I did that, I healed my relationship to food in my body. I changed into a career path that makes me feel so passionate and creative and inspired. I became the version of myself that I didn't even know was possible. And it's just, it's so liberating to be able to sit here and say that to you today. And that came with a whole lot of letting go, but it's hard when you're in it. So true because you you can't see beyond the pain circle that's surrounding you. And so so how long ago was this kind of transformation in your life? Like when you were in the season, you know, that you talk about with your divorce, but curious to know how long ago did that take place? Yeah, I was divorced in 2015. So it's been almost eight years. Do the math, Heidi. I don't know. (laughs) We'll just say that. 2015, you guys do the math. 2015, I went through it. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. went through it. Yeah. Wow. So it obviously it's been a journey. And so you kind of doing that inner work and getting back on your feet and realizing who Heidi is without your ex-husband and like, who is Heidi now? A mom, a friend, a new friend, because you had to rebuild a lot of your life, your connections, your circle of friends, um, you know, letting go of pieces of a family that was entwined because it was a part of you as well. And so I'm curious to know, like, what were some of those, the biggest challenge that you really had to overcome? Because it feels like Mm -hmm. with divorce, it really does feel like your whole world is falling apart. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that I had to overcome, I'm just going to say the first thing that dropped is the word fear. I was just scared of everything. I was scared. um, Okay, scarcity also. The fear and scarcity were my worst enemies. It was like, think about this. I'm living in California. We had uprooted our entire life away from our family, away from our friends in 2012. And then we moved to California. And so we were there for three years. And that's when we got divorced. And at that time, we still only really had each other. We hadn't really created that network and that belonging in California. Like nobody lives where they work. So even like the work friend relationship wasn't really like a deep, deep thing. And so I just felt really alone. And I was afraid that I, in my 30s, I wasn't going to be able to make friends. Where am I going to find friends? This lack scarcity, which is ironic, Rachel, because like, right, I live in the most like populated state in the world. (laughs) And my brain just, it just filled with fear and lack, 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 lack. I don't have friends. Oh my gosh. My finances just got cut in half. Holy crap. I have to move from a two and a half bedroom, three bedroom apartment to a studio apartment. Oh my gosh. Like all these things. So much fear so much fear. I was my own worst enemy. And I decided to subscribe to the story that I did this to myself. I did this to me. Uh, I got myself in this situation. If I would have just like held on, if I would have just gripped to it and tried harder and all the things I subscribed to so many beliefs that were not mine. And you know what the breaking point was? I can tell you exactly what it was. I, for months and months would lay on the bathroom floor Like I would come home at first, I would cry all the way to 
work. And then I would pull myself together because I was running a team. I was working events at the time. I was running a team in the event department, traveling the world and doing all these fancy schmancy things. And I pull myself together and I would put on the happy mask. Here I am. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I would get in my car, five o'clock, six o'clock, and I would cry all the way home. And then I would call my favorite pizza place and I would order the pizza, get a bottle of wine, eat and drink until I was numb. And then I would think about where I was at, be mad at myself, go to the bathroom, lay on the bathroom floor, which was thinking back like that was the most disgusting place. Couldn't I just like crawl into bed or lay in the living room floor? No, it was like, I always just went there. I don't know why it became the spot for suffering. And I would just cry, 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 cry. Maybe I was afraid I was going to get sick. I don't know. It was just the place. And then one day, one day I was on that bathroom floor and I swear it was what people call like divine intervention. I didn't see spirits or anything, but I felt my soul literally say, get up. Mm -hmm. I mean, that gives me chills right now. Because I know like that was so such a true moment. And it was like, get up, get up. And I got up, I got up. And that voice said, you fight for your joy, fight for it. And from that day forward, it was just this series of, I call it stacking, this series of stacking and figuring out ways, which we don't even have enough time to talk about all the ways, right? To really serve myself. And that's what I teach in Joyfully Divorced now. I mean, that is, those are the ways I teach. I created my community and my course from that woman on the bathroom floor and that voice of like, get up and fight for your joy. I teach women how to fight for their joy. I've never said that out loud before. I always say reclaim your joy, but it really is like fight for your joy, you know? Wow. And I like that you use the word fight because we have a visual. In me, I'm just standing like hands up with fist clenched, like I'm yeah. going to do whatever it takes to defend this joy because it's cost me so much to create and cultivate that. And if that's yeah. the one thing you're going to take from me, you could take the home, you could take the friends, you could take the job, you could take the marriage, you could take all that stuff, right? And you're like, this is the one ounce of preservation that I'm keeping for myself and I will fight you to the mm-hmm. now over my dead body and take that joy. And that's where your soul is just like, that's what get up. We're saving that because you need that spark to get back up and fight. I'm getting chills just from your story. Like, wow, so powerful because you don't even realize these things until you look back from a, a different vantage point. The individual that can look back now fully healed and put all the pieces together and tell a whole different story. And it becomes moving in a different way because you have shifted into a different way. Your soul is re- receiving and perceiving things differently. And there's so much power in that. And so, I mean, I have so many different situations and scenarios where it's like that inner soul has said, get up, that's you, or hit that button, you're done. You know, and, and I just had to do that big red button on, on a call of mine. It was just not in a good place. And it was enough of just taking the, um, hearing all this negativity and toxicity. And it was just, you just hit the end button. You're like, it's done. Because your inner being is there to protect and serve you. And even when you have nothing left to give, that thing's sitting there waiting on standby. It's the passenger in the car that says, just a few miles up the road, we can pull over. We can find that rest. We can stop. And mm-hmm. so it's a beautiful thing, man. Your story was like, like I said, I got chills over that. And so you you fought up, you got back up, and you said, I'm fighting for this joy. And so what were some of the things that were you know, what was the first area that you really started in? Because as you're rebuilding life, mm-hmm. 
feel like you have to do it all, all at once and all, you know, overnight because there's that longing for safety, like insecurity. Mm-hmm. Like I want something to build a life upon right now. I don't have a solid foundation. I'm crumbling. I'm sitting on a bathroom floor. The only thing I have left that's yeah. in flow preservation is this little spark of joy. So what can I do with a spark of joy? Mm-hmm. So what did you build out of that spark of joy? Yeah. The first two things that came to mind are self-certainty. I decided that I was going to really honor finding a way to be with myself every single morning before anyone else crept in, before any other things touched me, right? I was going to find a way to nourish my needs. Oh, I read this book called The Miracle Morning. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? I and um, that's really what gave me the nudge. And I read it really fast gave me the nudge to create my own self-certainty practice. And I've shifted it completely over the years. I now call it mermaid mornings and each thing has a thing and it feels really good to me. And But that self-certainty practice, I would say, okay, I don't have to fear the day. I would fear the day. Why would I fear the day? Because it was the same cycle every day. I would just, I would hit snooze five times. And then I would jump out of bed, get ready just in time. And that wasn't me before I got divorced. The me was, I was hitting the gym hard. I was going to maybe go into fitness physique stuff like you have done. I was there at 5 a.m. You know, I had a whole thing going on. Looking back, that was also out of fear. And now I've gotten myself to a place where that self-certainty routine is out of love for myself and for my needs. And I love it so much. But that self-certainty practice, and some people call it a morning routine, is really powerful. But there's things in there where I'm creating intention. It's not just moving my body. It's not just exercise. It's engaging. It's uniting. It's uniting my mind, my body, and my soul and setting the tone for who I want to be as I allow others to come into my energy for the rest of the day. So number one is self-certainty practice. And I did a lot of things to make sure that I honored that every day. And I still do to this day because it it really, really is what put me on, on path. The second thing that I did was I created something called joy spotting. (laughs) I was like, okay, if I am going to be fiercely committed and fighting for my joy, what does that look like? And one of the things was I'm going to go out every single day and I'm going to look for joy. If I don't feel it, I'm going to find it. And even if I don't feel it within myself, I'm going to find where others are experiencing it. And I'm just going to notice for right now where other people are experiencing joy. And the first day I did it, it just changed everything within me. It gave me hope. It gave me inspiration. It gave me motivation. I would see things like people roller skating. And I would just be like, that's funny. I see people like, I lived in California. So everything was like a little more, you know, (laughs) things were a little bit different. I saw like drum circles and people doing yoga and, and just like little kids running free and dropping their suckers on the ground. Like, and flowers, flowers were a big thing look around and just like see the beauty in nature. When there was nobody, I would take myself to a place where nobody was walking or hiking and um, just allow myself to go joy spotting. So self-certainty and joy spotting were massively transformational for me. That's incredible. And it got me thinking, I'm like how, you know, we, we hear this, you know, quote or phrase or whatever, where focus goes, energy flows, right? And so when we're shifting our intentional focus, like I mean, it's easy to look at all the things that are happening in this world, all the things that are happening in your world, all the things that are happening in your loved one's world, right? And so we could take on those worries and concerns and all these burdens. And and it's just like, 
how much of that capacity can we tolerate? But it's like, if we're constantly in that lack or scarcity mindset, our mind's constantly like, I need to fix this. I need to solve this. I need to make their life better. I need to make my life better. And so we're constantly focusing on the outcome of the goal of like the thing that has to be done in order for us to feel better or whatever that is, that we're actually somehow making things worse because we actually haven't stepped back to look at things objectively as as well. But also there's two things that kind of come from that is one, sometimes we're making a worse off because we're trying to smother and put things out before actually taking an assessment of how to make things better. But also from that perspective where if we're only focusing on the problem, we're creating more of those problems where in your turn with the joy spotting, I mean, everywhere I look, there's you know, misery and suffering, that's true. But also everywhere you look was joy and happiness and love and abundance. So it's kind of those two things. What one are you feeding? So it's the same concept of negative and positive self-talk is that what one do we feed is the one we listen to. What one do we feed is the one we're seeking, the one we're intentionally looking for. So if you set that intention, said, I'm going to enjoy spotting today. Well, our brains aren't innately wired to go spot the joy. It's that intentional shift where you flip the little switch and your mind's like, today we're going to find happiness, love, joy, and abundance. And guess what? It's everywhere. And it was there this whole time. It's not like it just arrived. It's not like it just appeared in your life. And it's sometimes like, you know, we say like that reticular activator system where our mind's like, we think of the color red, all of a sudden everything we're seeing red, Yeah. right? So when we're intentionally looking for joy, guess what we're going to find? More joy. Yeah. Right? So it's just that shift, those little tweaks. And that's why I say like in all of these, the, you know, the past almost two hours that we've been talking, and if you're catching this, this is part one and part two of the episode, go back to listen to part one, listen to part two and put them together because they all pull pieces from each of these episodes. But really the the biggest takeaway in all of this is where we have to learn to let go, surrender and get outside of ourselves and become that passenger in this ride, let's like ride through this season that we're in and find that joy, find that beauty, find this new form of comfort that is, and I hate to use that word comfort because I don't want it to lead to complacency, but that comfort in allowing yourself rest, that comfort in allowing yourself trust, surrender, that reassurance, and you allow yourself to heal from so much of that was pulled from you, robbed from you, taken from you, things that you've burned down or destroyed or things that have been, you know, all the things that are happening in our world, right? We can't continue to forge through if that's all we're we're experiencing. So allow ourselves to step back and experience all that life does have to offer. And there's a lot of joy, love and happiness, but you have to have balance with life. There is that balance in a sense. And actually, let me take that back. There is no balance in life. We're trying to find a balance between the good and the bad that we're sometimes just in the middle straddling both and not sure which one we go on. And so mm. if you're kind of navigating, do I step more in the joy? Allow yourself that permission, get curious, start exploring it. Because once you start going down that path, that path becomes just as addictive as the negative path, but it's about what one you're intentionally seeking to fill the things that you're aspiring for in life. And so I love that you brought that up because this I think is a great close to our conversation is about finding those two things that you just mentioned, about having the curiosity, right? The resiliency, the in-tuneness, the innateness, and allowing yourself that permission to just be and return home. And if you don't Mm -hmm. have a home, that's your job is to make your home here on this earth as comforting, as loving, as humbling, 
and as giving as possible because that's where you invite other people into your home. And so if we're going through life with a lens and perspective that we externally have to have all these key pieces to find that joy and fulfillment, start within, look within, because what's within you is going to come out of you. And what comes out of you is what attracts more of it. And so if we're looking for that high vibe energy life of all the happiness that we want. How are you showing up? That's the question I want to challenge those listening to really ask themselves. How are you showing up from a place of scarcity, uncertainty, fear, or from a place of trust, willingness, confidence, faith, and joy, and love, and happiness? I don't know about you, but the alternative is a lot better, and especially for me coming through this season right now. Oh man, this has been like the, one of the worst periods of my life. And you know, that'll be shared in, in certain ways, but I'm an open book. And these are things that I'm literally just coming off the cusp. So I could feel like I have the courage and confidence to openly talk about this stuff. So mm-hmm. joy, just having this joy and creating more of it. I want to thank you, Heidi, for giving me more of that permission, because sometimes I only get to a certain limit. Like sometimes we don't know our own boundaries, but I'm going to challenge myself to intentionally joy spot to find more of it, create more of it instead of just accepting for what is. So I would oh, think- I love that. I love that. And what do you need to let go of to make room for joy? Maybe and that's, that's exactly like where the I'm connect, in. right? Yep. Let go so you can make space for it. Exactly. What can you guys let go of today? All the listeners, what can you guys let go of today to make space for more of what you desire? And if it's not joy, that's okay. But whatever it is, make space for it because you deserve it. I just appreciate you having me on here and extending this conversation so long. You've given me permission to just show up as is and trust this process. I guess I would just say to everybody listening, when I hear you say comfort, I also hear like, it's safe to surrender. That's comforting. It's safe to surrender. That's where you're going to find that cozy, comforting space. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for allowing me to kind of go off script and see where this goes. And we just took a a sharp left. And we just said, well, let's go explore. And I think what we found in this time together has been an experience that I think that if we had kept things more rigid or as expected on script, we wouldn't have had this experience that we have just spent this past two and a half hours together. And it feels like it just flew by in the past like 15 minutes, because when you're lit and you find people who are very similar to you, time flies you feel a connection, you feel like you are seen and heard. And if you're looking for more of that, I encourage you to come and check out the Confident Woman Facebook community group. Uh, If you are looking for more of that, we have more of it inside our memberships as well. And so everything will be included in the show notes. And of course, you know, obviously follow along, connect with Heidi. I mean, she is just radiating with joy. I mean, for those who aren't watching, She's radiating with her yellow and she's just lit and it, she's infectious and she has her choose happy shirt on. I mean, hello, not, not find a happiness and joy. So thank you so much, Heidi. It's been a pleasure. It's been really joyful for me. So thank you so, so much. Absolutely. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. 